There are two disruptive experiences that we're having during the coronavirus event right now. The first is we're seeing people extremely distrusting of authority. Uh, we don't trust our government. We don't trust uh, medical professionals that tell us to wear masks and social distance because so many of us aren't. And I think there's this extreme distrust of people, of, of, of institutional authority. Um, the second thing that we're seeing is uh, there's a sense that it's just like every man for himself right now in society. Um, we have gone to the grocery store and, oh, no more toilet paper. We're trying to get masks or sanitizer online and there's none to be found. We're trying to put our money in the stock market and it's becoming this kind of Las Vegas casino-like experience with huge amounts of volatility. And there's a sense in our society that it's just every man for himself. And this has created an environment where people don't want to be followers. They don't want to be followers of institutions. Uh, they don't want to be followers of, of uh, uh, medical professionals. When we come out with vaccine, maybe in 2020, maybe in 2021, people are saying, I don't think I'm going to get that when it first comes out. Um, and there's just ex this extreme sense of um, people not wanting to be good followers. I think there's a real challenge for us as Christians because uh, we want to be followers of Jesus Christ and that is primarily defined by us trusting in, us uh, believing in, and us uh, the, the Jesus that is revealed to us uh, in the scriptures and us obeying uh, the, the word of the Lord. And as we do that, we are good followers. But I think sometimes there is this great um, temptation to forget that being a good follower of Jesus Christ is not just following what is revealed to us in his word. It is being a good follower of other people in the church who follow Christ. We've been in a series called The Church as Diaspora, where we've been looking at the teachings of the Apostle James and the Apostle Peter, uh, who wrote to the church that was in diaspora in the first century. And today we're going to look at the teaching of the Apostle Peter, uh, who focuses us on those of us that are older in the church being good examples that are follow-worthy of others in the church. And those of us that are younger, being good followers of those who are older in the church. And all of this is to honor the Lord. We're going to look at this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. As Peter reminds us of the importance of being a good follower in the church. The Apostle Peter wrote in the first century, uh, most likely when he was in his 60s. And he wrote uh, his epistles when about the mid-60s AD. And as he wrote those epistles, First and Second Peter, he was probably primarily writing to uh, people who were younger than him as an elder uh, statesman in the faith. And he is reminding the believers to follow in Jesus's footsteps and to suffer righteously as our Lord did. Uh, Peter reminds us in his epistle, in his epistles, that we are to be good followers of the government good followers of authorities in the, our authorities in the workplace, good followers of our spouses in our marriage, good followers of the Lord as we make a defense for our faith and our testimony is an honorable one to the outside world. Um, and I think it's really challenging for us here in the 21st century during the coronavirus event because we're living in a time where there's a, a, a culture of hyper-spiritual independence that surrounds us. Um, we live in a time when, uh, from the time that we're raised, we're told to be a self-made person. We're told to live 
Uh, the goal is to be an independent person. The goal is to rely on yourself. The goal is to be uh, a person who's strong uh, by, and can pull themselves up by their own bootstraps in life. And independence is just drilled into us from the very beginning of who we need to be and what the goal is for our lives. And sometimes that can cross over that kind of thinking into what the Bible calls stiff-necked, stubborn, unteachable, and overly reliant on our own good works. And we kind of um, are surrounded by this cultural mindset. And uh, it has led, in part, to people expressing their spirituality in an independent way. One out of every three people in America now would describe themselves as, I'm spiritual and I'm good, I'm just not religious. Um, I don't need uh, a religious text. I don't need a religious tradition. I don't need a religious community. Uh, I can just kind of figure out my own spirituality on my own in my own independent way. I don't need to be a good follower of what a book says or what other religious leaders say. I can figure it out on my own. And I think even in the church, um, we have kind of fostered this sense of uh, spiritual independence by not talking enough about the importance of being a good spiritual follower. We talk a lot about uh, leadership in the church, of, of being a servant leader of others. And what we forget is that before you can become a good servant leader, you have to first be a good servant follower of the Lord and other people. Um, I've often thought, you know, if I was to hold my own church conference, what would it be on? Uh, and I wouldn't do a church conference on church leadership. I'd probably call it the church followership conference. How to be a good follower. And I was thinking about some of the topics that uh, I would hold or have other speakers speak on or uh, teach on. And uh, they would be topics like this, not in terms of how to be a great leader or how to uh, start movements. It would be topics of how to be a good follower. My topics uh, that I would have at my conference would be uh, submitting 101. How many of you would love to come to that one? Is there anyone here? Anyone who would like to sign up to that? Anyone? Um, how about this topic? How to excel at the fine art of esteeming others better than yourself. I mean, that would be a real popular one for people to come to. I think it'd be packed, right? How about this last one? Um, I would have uh, someone talk on the topic of denying yourself when you don't feel like following your leaders at the church. And, uh, and we can all learn how to do that better. I think people would just love to take notes on that topic. I don't know that anyone would come to my conference in church. And I think that's a tragedy because um, the church should be the place where we are raising up the best followers in the world. I think the church would be far better off if she had less people trying to aspire to become great leaders and more people aspiring to become great followers in the church of the Lord and other people. And so uh, Peter addresses this issue of being an example that others can follow and being a good follower of others in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Let's read along. Peter says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, 
exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not dominating over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I love this. I want to spend a few moments going through these passages because Peter, uh, this great apostle, is reminding us of the importance of being a good follower in the church. He says in verse 1, he says, I encourage you, I exhort you, the elders among you, as a fellow elder. Uh, Whenever you see in Scripture the term bishop or overseer or elder, they all refer to the same type of person. They refer to a man who is charged by God, who desires and has uh, fulfilled the character qualities laid out in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1 of being an elder in the church. And an elder is essentially a chief shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd of the church, but under him, we have these chief shepherds of, of the flock in the church, and those are called elders. Deacons are the chief servants in the church as um, their qualifications laid out in 1 Timothy 3. And uh, Peter goes on to say, as a fellow elder uh, who has been a witness of the sufferings of Christ, uh, Peter reminds them that he has spent time with Jesus. He has ministered with Jesus. Um, he He has seen Jesus be crucified. He has seen him be resurrected. He has seen him ascend to heaven. And he's uh, a part of Jesus's ministry, especially his sufferings. As they are suffering, he can relate. He wants to share with them that Christ can relate. And he says again in verse 1 uh, that, he, uh, that, that they are partakers of the glory that will be revealed. Partakers of the glory that will be revealed. He earlier on talked about the inheritance that was awaiting all of them in the glory in heaven. If you skip down to verse 4, Peter says there is a crown of glory that will never fade away. Peter is reminding uh, these elect exiles of the diaspora, as he calls them in 1 Peter 1, that uh, the, the leaders, the elders among them, um, he is a fellow elder in Christ. And they are headed for a destiny and a future that will be glorious. And I love how Peter starts this because he's, he is exhibiting humility. He could have said, hey, you know what? Um, were you guys there with him like I was? Did you break bread? Did you drink wine? Did you um, see the miracles with him? Did you go fishing with this guy? Well, I did. And so I'm kind of the super apostle, so you should listen to me. He doesn't say that. He says, um, I exhort you as a fellow elders, elder. I think that shows his humility. And it also, uh, he reminds him he's a general, genuine follower of Christ. He had seen Christ's ministry. Uh, very important. Verse 2 and verse 3, Peter goes on to say that um, the elders are to exercise oversight Um, So they are to shepherd the church, but not to do it uh, under compulsion, not to do it in a domineering way, um, and not to do it for shameful gain. Uh, Peter's reminding the elders among them that as they shepherd the flock, they're not to be domineering. They're not to be power hungry. They're not to be doing this for uh, financial gain primarily and to be greedy for that. Um, I, I think it's very important that uh, when you're at a church, that you can look at the leadership and say, these, these men, these elders are servants. They lead out of a heart of a servant to the Lord and servant to other people. They do not lead 
as power-hungry individuals. They do not lead as manipulative people. They do not lead as commandeering, commanding individuals, but rather they exercise godly oversight. And they don't do it um, for greedy financial gain. Uh, whenever I've had the opportunity in the past to speak at different churches or different church retreats or conferences, um, I never charge for that. And this, you know, sometimes they choose to give an honorarium, which is which is nice, which is great. Um, but I never say to them, you know, uh, this is my price if you want me to come speak. I know pastors that do that. They say if the price is not right, and here's my price, and if if uh, the organization that um, wants them to come speak, doesn't pay that price, they won't come. I think that's terrible. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, he did not charge for the gospel. And I don't think um, elders, um, believers should as they have opportunity to speak. I think they either do it or they don't if they feel led by the Lord. And um, Peter's reminding us in verse 1, 2, and 3 that as an elder, uh, what qualifies you as an elder is your relationship with Christ. What qualifies you as an elder is your humility. What qualifies you as an elder is um, that you are a shepherd, not a dominator, that you are doing this for heavenly reward, not for financial gain. Although um, Paul does go on to say it's okay for pastors to be paid, um, and he received payment as well, but he didn't do that for the payment. And I think it's just a, a, an important reminder for us as a church, because um, who leads the church should not be based primarily on talent, it, not should, it should not be primarily based on their spiritual gifting. It should not be primarily based on um, if they've had success in the world of business or, it, or, or if they have a lot of money or if they're popular, or if they have influence with other people. Um, all of those things matter to varying degrees or uh, uh, another. But the most important thing that you should look for, for people that are leading in the church, is godly character. Uh, it is a character, like Peter is exemplifying here, of, of humility, of godliness, of a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, of doing it for the right motivations. And uh, people can look at this person as an, uh, someone who's exercising oversight faithfully. He goes on to say um, in, uh, in verse 3 that you are to be examples to the flock. The elders are to be examples to the flock. Uh, Paul was an example to uh, the churches that he ministered to in Corinth and Thessalonica. Um, he wrote to the church at Corinth, For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Follow me, he went on to say later on. Follow me as I follow Christ. He said to the church at Thessalonica, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction and of, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And again, you know how to imitate us, Paul said, because we were not idle when we were with you. Paul exemplified a ministry to Corinth and Thessalonica, where he was a spiritual father to them, where they knew his life. And they could say, um, I see what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ as we emulate you. And Paul was not, um, he, 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 didn't, he knew suffering. Uh, and, and he wanted them to emulate how the Lord suffered faithfully, how he was trying to suffer faithfully, for the gospel as they were suffering. Paul was exemplifying for them that uh, when he was among them, he was not idle. He worked as his tent maker. He uh, was uh, was ministering among them and, and he saw spiritual fruit from that in his ministry. And so he said, emulate that, imitate that. And Paul was an example of what Peter's talking about here in verse three, to be an example to the flock. 
And I think there's an, obviously an, uh, an application here for church elders who have the official title of elders, but I think there's also an implication for uh, people who are just older in the faith, kind of elderly in the faith, um, compared to the younger in the faith in a congregation. And I want to ask you, whether you're an elder in the church officially or just someone who's um, older in the faith, are you living a life that is exemplary for those who are younger in the faith? As people look at what you're teaching, what you're devoting your life to, um, and people are watching, um, do you have a faith that is worthy of imitation? Uh, See, it's not enough as a believer to have a faith where you're simply just surviving, where you're saying, uh, you know, my, my whole spiritual walk is just one of struggle after struggle after struggle, season after season, month after month, year after year, and um, and there's really no victory there. And I, I just kind of think about myself and, and me just making it. As you get older in the faith, you are to have, Christian, and a, and a faith that other people can follow as you follow Christ. Um, when you look in the Bible, some of the best contributions to the kingdom of God, some of the greatest acts of, of work for the Lord, um, the, the spiritual maturity, the fruit of spiritual maturity, the steps of faith happened when people were older. You look at Abraham in the Old Testament. He was in his 70s when he received the call of God to go to the promised land and the promise of blessing all the nations through his seed. Um, you look at Moses. He was like in his 80s when he was leading uh, the Israelites out of Egypt and into the wilderness towards the promised land. You look at the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and uh, they were in, ministering in, when they were in their 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. You go into the New Testament, and you have people like Peter and Paul who uh, were in their 60s, when they were uh, 50s and 60s, when they were writing these epistles and, and dying for their faith and planting churches and ministering to the church, you have the Apostle John, who is uh, most likely in his 90s when he wrote the book of Revelation. And all of these men show us an example that the older you get in the faith, um, you have to have an exemplary faith for others. I, I think one of the discouraging things that happens in the church is when people look at those who are older in the faith in the church, whether they're elders officially or unofficially, just elderly in the faith, older in the faith. And when people look at those who are older in the faith and they don't see a, a walk that they that is worthy of their imitation. Instead, they see people who are older in the faith and they see um, a lack of courage in their faith. They see... Uh, an example of complacency in their faith. They see a lack of conviction in their faith. They see an example of a carnal faith. They see an example of a capitulating faith where older people say, you know what, Um, I'm really not the example you should follow. Um, I think it's very discouraging in the church because when you have a church of older uh, Christians who are not setting an example for others in the church, uh, this is not how the church is to function. Uh, you know, when I when I talk to young people in our church, um, I, I tell them a couple things. I say, you know, um, I will do my best to be your pastor, but don't expect um, 24-7 in the way of Jesus, because there's going to be times when I'm going to let you down. But I will make you this promise, I tell them. 
I will make you the promise that I will do my very best to not allow you, as a young person, to consistently demonstrate for me, as an older Christian, a more courageous faith, a more um, faithful faith, a more sacrificial faith, a more genuine faith, uh, then I am willing to exemplify for you. Uh, there might be moments and there will be moments where you outshine me and I just praise God for that. I celebrate that. I commend you for that. But over a period of time, um, I will do my very best to not allow you to consistently demonstrate for me a more mature faith than I am willing to demonstrate for you to emulate. And I think that's a commitment we all need to make as older believers towards younger believers. If you're an older believer in the church, what kind of example are you setting for others in the church? Uh, let's skip on down to verse 5 where the Apostle Peter, he talks about, uh, he talks to the younger in the faith. And again, he, he says, likewise, um, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. A very straightforward command. Be subject, which meant um, to fall in rank, to obey, to listen to, to um, submit to those who are older in the faith, the, the elders in the church. Uh, it's very important. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13, uh, something very similar. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And he goes on to say, Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Imitate their faith. The writer of Hebrews says, um, obey your leaders in the church. Submit to them because they have a charge before God to, to oversee your souls. And, and you want to listen to them because you want them to serve you and to serve the Lord with joy, not with groaning. Oh, why won't these people listen? Um, but you ask yourself, well, what type of leader? should I listen to? And that's where he, he says, remember your leaders. And he says two types of uh, qualities. One, those who taught the word of God to you. And secondly, those who had an outcome, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Look at the leaders in your church. Who's faithfully teaching the word of God, number one. Number two, as you look at the outcome of their way of life, their faith, um, is it imitatable? Uh, young people, who are you submitting to? In the church who are you following who are you listening to um, I have a sneaking suspicion that the Apostle Peter who wrote to the first century church um, said this in verse 5 young people submit yourself to the elders because there were probably young people in the first century church that weren't that were very rebellious that were independent that thought that they knew better um, as a way of life. And I think it was probably rare in the first century to the churches that Peter wrote to, to find young people who were extremely teachable and who were good followers. I wonder if the same is true of the 21st century church. Um, when we look at the young people in our church, do we see young people who are good followers of um, the elders and good followers of those who are more mature in the faith? Um, as I think back to uh, myself when I was younger, in my 20s, and I think back, who were the type of people that um, I wanted to follow and chose to follow? And I, I, I try to remember uh, the criteria that I used, and I, I 
would try and follow people who were popular. I try and follow people who were successful. I try and follow people that I felt were smarter than me. I try and follow people who um, that I thought were cool. And we all understand those temptations. But um, I, I think what would have really convinced me the most um, is if I could have had some my a version of myself who was older come back and talk to me in my twenties. Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever like? You know, you see it in the, in the movies or on television where the older version of you comes back in time to speak to the younger version of you. And see, it always seems to work, right? Um, and I think if there was an older version of me to come back and speak to me when I was in my 20s and say, hey, you know what, Chris, you know, here's what's up. Listen to me. It's like this. Um, do this. Don't do this. I know what I'm talking about. I think I would have listened. I think I would have listened to that old, older version of me. Um, but I was so at times headstrong and just so confident in my abilities when I was younger that it might have taken that kind of out-of-body experience talking to an older version of myself for me to really listen a lot to those who are older than me. And um, I really regret that because if I could have spoken to a younger version of myself, what I would have said was the most important quality that you need to look for for someone to follow is follow people who have a godly character. It doesn't matter if they're successful in the eyes of the world. It doesn't matter if they've got a lot of money. It doesn't matter if you think they're cool or not. Get around people that have a godly character and emulate their life. Um, and that would be my advice to young people today as well. I was invited to speak at a college fellowship group at my alma mater a few months ago after the coronavirus event started um, at USC. And there's this a college fellowship group called um, AACF, AACF, which is Asian American Christian Fellowship. And uh, there's some young women, college students that go to our church, um, Nicole, Bonnie, Sarah, that are part of this fellowship group. And so they asked me to speak on the topic of, um, you know, I'll just speak out of my own experience um, about being an Asian American in the church in the 21st century. And so I kind of spoke on that. And I just want to share two, two things that I said that night. Um, one was I told the young people that... Um, there's a great likelihood that as an Asian American at, you know, a school like USC, that you come from a middle class background. And um, you're going to be surrounded by a lot of people in your life who will exemplify for you, a lot of older people, a very comfortable life. Um, they'll have successful careers, uh, a successful, a, a great family, a nice house, a good bank account. And then even older people that you'll be around and they'll have a, a kind of a, a participation in the church. And that will be exemplified for you. And there's not necessarily anything bad about all those, those things. Those can be very good things. Uh, but what I said to them is uh, be very aware of the example that's being set for you. Um, and I think that what you should be doing as a young person is be looking for those who are older in the faith, who exemplify for you a godly faith, a dynamic faith, a faith that is... Um, making disciples of Jesus Christ, that's winning people to the Lord, um, who are faithful to the word of God. And those people, you may look at them and they may or may not be cool. They may or not may not be successful in the eyes of the world. They may or may not have a lot of money. Um, they may not or may not be influential and powerful in the eyes of the world. But you know, if they've got a godly character, emulate that. Follow that. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He wasn't a great trained speaker, he said, to the Corinthian church. He didn't have a lot of money. 
He was looked down upon. He was not impressive in terms of his physical stature, he said, uh, to the Corinthians, but um, and to, to other churches, he mentioned that too. Um, but he had a godly character. And that is why he could say, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think it's very important uh, to, to recognize that as a young person. Secondly, I said, uh, there was a young woman who, who asked the question, what should I look for when I'm going to look for a new church? What criteria should I use? And I said to her, what I really say to anyone who walks in the door to our church who asks, asks about our church, I say, when you're start entering into a new church, you should look for at least these four things. Number one, what is the doctrine of the church? Is it biblical? Is it sound doctrine? It doesn't matter how big the church is, how fancy it is, how popular it is. Um, if they're not teaching the word of God faithfully, it's not the right church for you. Secondly, um, you need to look around at the church and say, um, can I love these people? And do I think these people can love me? Very important. Number three, um, you need to ask yourself, where is just this church headed? What direction are they going? What, um, what is the vision for this church? What's important to this church in terms of the future? Uh, but number four, what I said was, um, you need to look at the elders of the church. And specifically at the lead elder, the lead pastor, and ask yourself this question. Is this someone that I can respect? Is this someone I can submit to? Is this someone that I want to follow them as they follow Christ? Is this someone that I feel can be a flawed, but uh, nevertheless a good example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And if you can answer affirmatively, you found yourself a good church. And I think that's what Peter is getting to here when he speaks to young people. He says um, to be subject to the elders. And I think it's the office of elder, but I, I also think there's an implication for older Christians that have a life that you can uh, follow after. Young people, who are you following? You're following Jesus. But what other Christians are you exemplifying your life after? Because who you're around and who you uh, follow is going to impact who you become. Uh, you're going to become like those people. And so you need to ask yourself, what example of the Christian faith do I want to emulate? Do I want to become? And finally, in this passage in verse 5, again, Peter says, uh, All of you, older, younger, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Uh, Peter emphasizes that we are to clothe ourselves with humility. We are to be humble. The Bible never says to pray that God would humble you. The Bible never says to pray for humility. It simply says, be humble. Choose to be humble. Uh, live out your life with humility towards the Lord, uh, which would be um, in obeying his commands. That's the humility towards the Lord. Even when we don't feel like it, we are humble towards the Lord when we obey. And be humble towards others as we submit to them, as we follow them, as we listen to them. See, the Bible never says to pray for humility. It simply says to be humble. It's far better for you to humble yourself than for God to humble you. See, when you humble yourself and make that choice, that's called humility. 
When you pray that God would humble you, or when God has to discipline you or humble you because he loves you, that's not called humility. That's called humiliation. See, when you humble yourself, it's far better because you can uh, kind of make that choice and the consequences may be limited. But when God has to humble you, that can be very painful and sometimes public. And so Peter says, clothe yourselves with humility, for God gives grace to the humble, and he opposes the proud. You want to make yourself an enemy of God? Lift yourself up. Lift yourself up in your own thoughts above other people, above God. And the Bible says if you do that, he will press you down. But if you humble yourself in due time, he will exalt you. He gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Uh, we need to be very watchful about how, we're, how highly we think about ourselves. And one of the best ways to exhibit, to clothe ourselves with humility, is in asking ourselves who we submit to. Are we submitting to the Lord? Are we submitting to the commands of Scripture? Are we submitting to um, leaders in the church? Um, are we exhibiting humility in that way? I, I think during the coronavirus event, uh, it's been so disruptive. It's been so uh, dispersive of our church that the older and the younger in our church have been separated. Uh, digit and we only commit and connect digitally now for the most part. And so just like in the first century, when Peter said to the church, um, older be example, younger be uh, good followers, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility, we need to remember this as a church city Bible church right now. Um, we need to position ourselves for humility. We need to be asking ourselves, how am I a good follower of those who lead me in the church? Are you a good follower? Or are you simply a good independent version of a Christian? And we need to be asking ourselves, especially those of us who have been in the faith for some time or have the position of elder or who are supposed to be mature in the faith, what kind of example am I setting for others? Am I living a life that is worthy of imitation? Because it's not just enough, especially if I'm an older believer, to simply live in survival mode. I must commit myself to saying, how can I live a life where other people can follow that? And in doing so, you're making disciples. And so um, let's strive for that Sidhu Bible Church. Let's strive to be good followers. Let's strive to live with humility. Let's strive uh, to submit ourselves to the authorities in our life, whether outside the church or inside the church. And God will bless our church. And our church will be the type of church that God will not only see through the coronavirus event, but see to the other side. And we will prevail. And we will be stronger for that. And we will be blessed for that. And so the Lord will be good to us as we commit to being good followers.